on tonight we want to finish amen the beginning of sorrows the beginning of sorrows now remember we started back in ezekiel 38 and ezekiel was prophesying way back from the mid sixth century and talking about things that we are dealing with in the middle of right now uh god's word is being uh transformed it's coming to pass it's coming to fruition right before our very eyes amen and certainly it is time for us the saints of god to get ready prepare ourselves because the lord is soon to come People are asking, well, what is Putin's end game? Uh, as they're trying to negotiate peace right now. Uh, and even um, they are uh, talking about that uh, even as they have agreed to a certain amount of peace, uh, the killing, the bombing, it's still going on. And the Bible lets us know the Bible lets us know his end game is Israel. All right. And God told Ezekiel to prophesy against him, my God, and let him know that this is my land. Amen. If you remember in Ezekiel 38 and the word of the Lord came unto me saying, son of man, set thy face against Gog. And that's a title. And uh, uh, the land of Magog, that's a place, the chief priest of Mishal and Tubal, and prophesy against personal pronoun him. Amen. So certainly we know uh, this Gog is a czar, if you will, or a uh, oligarch, as they are called in, in Russia. And God is saying, prophesy against uh, Magog. We know that is to be Russia in uh, that area north of the Capsation Sea. Uh, that's an old term. That's an old um, name. And every Bible theologian know exactly where that is. And he calls him the chief prince of Mishael. And that's an old name for Moscow. All right. He's the chief prince of Moscow and Tubal. And we know that's Tabask. That's an old Siberian oil capital uh, that exists in Russia. And this individual is head of both of those areas. Uh, Russia is the region. Amen. Uh, Moscow, uh, Tubask are the cities. Uh, they all exist uh, within uh, Russia. And we know this leader that Ezekiel is prophesying against right now is President Putin. I mean, you can't get no more relevant than that. And, 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 and the Bible is, is, is right. I don't care what people say and what people theorize. Amen. And certainly God's word, he said, it has gone out of my mouth and it will not return unto me void. Amen. And as I have said before, Lindsey Graham has called for the assassination of President Putin. But you know what? It doesn't matter whose name you fill in there. <laughs> he is uh, Gog. Uh, he is a uh, personal program. It's a him. 
Uh, he is a czar. He is an oligarch. Uh, the Bible calls him the chief priest, prince of Mishal or Moscow uh, and Tubal, Tabasque. Amen. And certainly we don't, it doesn't matter who's in, in position or what their name is. Ezekiel is prophesying against this individual that's running, that's over these two areas. That's Russia. Uh, we have Moscow. We have Tubal or Tabasque. Amen. And certainly we see the unity of nations being formed. And we have studied this, studied this. Amen. Certainly, uh, these nations that are now forming sides and uh, everybody's now forced to take a side. And we see Russia and China coming together. We see Russia and Iran coming together and Iraq coming together. Amen. Certainly, uh, it's being formed right before our very eyes. It's happening right now. Amen. And all of these unity of nations, and it's be surprising uh, some of them are even part of NATO, but we know uh, those there are those that's going to turn against Israel, amen, and there's going to be a great host that's going to come against her, but that's when God is going to stand up and fight for her, amen. So there are mostly Muslim populations. We have Ethiopia, we have Kush, the northern Sudan, Libya, which is called Put. Uh, Islamic states in uh, North Africa, amen, they're going to join uh, Russia. We see them coming together. He talked about Gomer and Tugarma, uh, Eastern Europe, Germany, Poland. Uh, Tugarma is Turkey and Armenia and Georgia is even supplying uh, Russia right now already. And certainly a lot of these individuals that I have mentioned are members of NATO, and right now are on the side of uh, Ukraine. They're against this war. But as things evolve, it's going to line up just like God has already uh, prophesied and told us in his word. Amen. Uh, there were certain nations that are going to question this uh, because God said, listen, tell him this is my land. Prophesy even to the land, to the mountains. This is my land. And I want to encourage each and every one of you that missed uh, any of this series to go back, go back and go through it. It's informative. Amen. It's timely. It's relevant. Amen. And I would encourage you, amen, that uh, we don't become uh, all is doom and gloom, uh, but it ought to be confirmation to each and every one of us. God is on the throne and he's in control. He said, uh, go get your witnesses in Isaiah 41. Tell us things of the past and uh, things of the future. Uh, who, 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 can, who, who can do that but God? My God. And certainly uh, he's letting us know. He has let us know things of the past. He's letting us know things of our present, things that I, Ezekiel have prophesied uh, mid sixth century. Amen. And they're coming to, they have already come to pass. And we're studying now uh, his prophecy that has yet to come to pass. Amen. And that's what God said. 
Who has brought it and who has done it? Who can tell us? A hundred years before and a hundred years ahead, nobody can do it but Jesus. Amen. All right. Uh, there are those that are going to question. Sheba is mentioned. Saudi Arabia. Dedan is mentioned. That's Northwest Arabia. Uh, Tarshish from the Strait of Gibraltar, that Mediterranean Sea area. And then we have the merchants of Tarshish and all her young lions. Amen. And certainly the symbol of England is a lion. Her young lions. Amen. And certainly uh, we, uh, Bishop Herman, in his study of the tribulation period, said he did not see the United States anywhere in their in his study. And uh, in my study of it, I'm thinking that it, it could be, it could be we are considered one of the young lions. Those would be the British territories. Maybe we can find the United States there because up until the American Revolution, the Revolutionary War, we were a British colony. Amen. So all of these old names that we're getting, um, uh, uh, Magog, Russia, Michal, Moscow, Tubal, Tubas, Cush, Sedan, Put, which is Lydia, uh, Gomer, which is Eastern Europe, Tagarma, which is Turkey. Uh, maybe the United States uh, is being listed here under one of these old names. We're one of the young lions. Amen. And certainly, um, I know I have shared that many of the uh, Bible theologians feel that America is such a Christian uh, nation that after the uh, rapture, many of uh, the Americans are going to be gone. I don't believe that. I don't, I don't believe it. I don't mean to laugh, but uh, I just don't believe it uh, because I've given you the scripture. The, uh, the Bible said, except there be a great falling away, that day is not going to come. There's a lot of people that in all that glitters is not gold. Everybody say they Christians say, Lord, Lord, are not going to be saved. Amen. He said many antichrists are going to come. And, and this is how we know we're going to be in the last days uh, because there will be many people that are anti-God. That's what antichrist is. Amen. So I don't believe that theory that after the rapture, uh, all of America is going to be snatched out of here. I just don't believe it. I'm not buying it because the scriptures don't support it. Amen. But what I am wanting, uh, want to encourage each and every one of us, I don't know, maybe we get destroyed by a nuclear bomb uh, from Russia or China. Uh, we don't know. Uh, but I would encourage each and every one of us. Amen. Uh, let us look to the Lord. Amen. Let us look to the Lord. It is better to know God than to know the answer. It is better to know God than to know the answer. All right, we have talked about the Battle of Armageddon, and then we focused in on the rest of Daniel's uh, prophecy, and that is the millennial reign. 
We have gone over some of that, and we're going to pick it up here in Ezekiel 43, uh, because Ezekiel is being instructed and letting him know um, some of the Old Testament sacrifices are going to be reinstated. All right, let's read it here. Ezekiel 48. Everybody ought to have their Bible. Everybody ought to have your Bible. Read this along with me. Ezekiel 48. We're going to be reading verses 18 through 21. 18 through 21. All right. And he said unto me, Son of man, thus saith the Lord God, these are the ordinances of the altar in the day when they shall make it. Now he's talking about something that has yet to be built. This is a temple that's not even built yet. All right. When they make it to offer burnt offerings thereon and to sprinkle blood thereupon, and thou shalt give to the priest of the Levites that be of the seed of Zodak, which approach unto me to minister unto me. These will be the only ones that will, the Levites of the family of Zodak that will be allowed to approach unto me. Uh, he said, uh, saith the Lord, a young bullock for a sin offering, and thou shalt make of the blood thereof and put it on the floor for horns of it and on the four corners of the settle and upon the border round about, thus shalt thou cleanse and purge it. Thou shalt take the book also of a sin offering, and he shall burn it in the appointed place of the house without the sanctuary. Amen. So when that altar is built, Ezekiel is now begin as, as has been given how God wants to be worshipped and those sacrifices that must be um, brought uh, for the atonement of man's sin. Now, wait a minute now. I said, well, uh, pastor, this is the, the millennial reign. Yes, but yet men's sin nature will continue. Now, we won't have any corrupt government. There won't be no murders. There won't be no drive-bys. There won't be no gang killings, no rapes. Amen. This will literally be uh, heaven, but on earth. It's not heaven, but it's the closest that you can get to it. All right. But the sin nature of man's heart, otherwise there would be no need for a, a, a sin offering. And that's what he's, he's letting Ezekiel know. Now, when this altar is built and this temple is constructed, this is how I want you to bring a sin offering. And this, these are the Levites, the, the, the family of Zodak that will be allowed to offer for the sin, the sins of men. All right. Now, a thousand years is a long time. We're talking about the millennial reign period. We shared the time frame and we're talking about this temple uh, that will be built, not the one of we did the uh, the temple history. And we talked about that. Now, if you missed that, you need to go back and, and uh, um, read that. Uh, because this is not the temple that Solomon built uh, way back in 957 B.C. Uh, this is um, the temple uh, that God is going to build. 
and it's going to be just for the millennial reign. Amen. And even this temple is going to be destroyed eventually. Eventually, it's going to be destroyed. All right. So, but man's sin nature is going to continue and there's going to be a need for an atonement for sin. Thousand years, individuals uh, will be getting saved and uh, undoubtedly maybe making uh, some uh, wrong decisions and will need to come back and be atoned again uh, for those sins. Now, the Old Testament uh, always pointed them to the cross when Jesus would be the atonement. Now, remember the shedding of blood, this this blood of animals never uh, remitted any sin. It simply covered. Amen. It was just a uh, um, a temporary fix, if you will. And it, the Old Testament um, sacrifices pointed them forward to the cross. All right. Uh, if we think about uh, our communion services when we are partaking of his body and of his blood, amen, it points us and refers us back to the cross, does it not? Amen. Remembering what he has done for each and every one of us, bringing us out of sin. And that's what Egypt's typical of sin, bondage, slavery. He brought us out of sin. Amen. And it points us back to the cross. Well, this temple sacrifice that is going to be reinstated is going to point those individuals back again to that same cross. Amen. And certainly um, we know uh, because we have already studied this. After that thousand year period, Satan is going to be loosed again for a season and he's not going to have any problem getting some recruits. So we know that men's heart will continue to have that sinful nature, even though God is going to heal this land. He's even going to put the animal kingdom at peace. And we've read all of that. But this sacrifice is going to be reinstated for those individuals uh, that are saved during that tribulation, not the tribulation, but the millennial reign period and point them back to the sacrifice. Amen. To the cross. All right. So when the altar is built, this is how I want things to be done. Ezekiel. I want you to give to the Levitical priests of the family of Zodak, who will be allowed to draw near unto me, and they will be the only ones allowed. All right. A bullock for a sin offering. Take the blood, purify the altar, and offer sacrifice unto me. Come on, somebody. Somebody said, without the shedding of blood. There is no remission of sins. Now, this is the millennial reign, the thousand years of peace. Amen. That Christ is going to serve as both a king and priest. Amen. Um, we will always already have our glorified bodies. 
All right. There'll be no more pain, no more suffering. We're going to rule and reign with him a thousand years on this earth. But there will be new converts to the body of Christ during that thousand year period. Uh, that's enough time for people to be born, to die, to uh, come to Christ and backslide and come back to Christ. But they'll always be pointed back to the cross. And that's the uh, prophecy that he has given to Ezekiel. Uh, when this temple is constructed and when this altar is made, this is how I want the Levitical priests, amen, to offer, burn offering. And I want you to uh, burn that offering on the temple grounds at the appropriate place outside of the sanctuary. All right. Um, let's go to Ezekiel 47. We're talking about this temple, things that are yet to come to pass, yet to come to pass. And I want to also talk about at the end of this, how these temples come to be. All right. I'm going to put that in my notes. I had a question, which temple were we talking about? Which uh, temple was Ezekiel describing in his prophecy here? And he's talking about uh, the temple that will be built uh, during the millennial period, the millennial period. All right. And we shared that on the timeline. Okay. Ezekiel 47, we want verses eight through 12. There's going to be a life-giving water that flows through that temple. Amen. He tells Ezekiel, you haven't seen nothing like this before. All right, Ezekiel 47, 8 through 12. Then said he unto me, these waters issue out toward the east country and go down into the desert and go into the sea. What sea is that? That's the Dead Sea. Which being brought forth unto the sea, the waters shall be what? Healed. And it shall come to pass that every thing that liveth, which moveth, whatsoever the rivers shall come, shall live. And there will be a great multitude of fish, because these waters shall come thither, for they shall be healed, and everything shall live, whether the river cometh. And it shall come to pass that the fishers shall stand upon it from Engedi even to Iglium. They shall be a place to spread forth nets. Their fish shall be according to their kinds, as the fish of the great sea exceeding many, but the miry places thereof and the marshes thereof shall not be healed. They shall be given to salt and by the river upon the bank thereof on the side and on the, that side shall grow all trees for meat whose leaf shall not fade. Neither shall the fruit thereof be consumed. It shall bring forth what? New fruit according to his months. 
because their water shall be issued out of the sanctuary, and the fruit thereof shall be for meat, and the leaf thereof for medicine. My God, uh, there will be no need going to church and returning the same way you came, because there's going to be living water flowing out of the sanctuary and the south side of the sanctuary flowing down to the Dead Sea. And wherever that water flows, which, what, what was dead is now going to live. Life-giving water. And we have that right now. Because he said, out of your belly shall flow what? Rivers of what kind of water? Living waters. Come on, somebody. My God, somebody say, I got it already. Amen. It's on the inside of me, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Amen. Dwelling on the inside of us. All right. So the water that uh, flows comes up under Jerusalem. Under the south side of the temple will flow south into the Dead Sea and the Dead Sea will come alive. All right. Everything that is dead will come alive because of this water flowing down into it. It's going to be just like the Mediterranean Sea giving life everywhere the water go. It's going to be transformed and that's going to be indicative of the lives of individuals that come into the temple. Their lives are going to be transformed. For out of your belly shall flow rivers. Amen. Uh, the Dead Sea is the lowest place on earth. Lowest place on earth. Uh, I guess uh, the next lowest place on earth is Salt Lake City, Utah. And the Dead Sea is 37% salinity. Amen. Salt water. Nothing can grow in that water. All right. But one day, this water is going to flow out of the temple and it's going to flow down to the Dead Sea. And everything that couldn't grow is going to grow in abundance. My God, who wouldn't serve a God like this? Amen. And each and every one of us, he's living water in us right now, springing up unto everlasting life. All right. And the scripture says he will establish his temple upon the mountains. He's going to bring to right now to mind the songwriter that says it reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley. What is it? The blood that gives me strength. My God, from day to day. What could make me whole again? My God, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. All right. So there is no curtain in the temple. If we remember the study of Solomon's uh, temple uh, in Ezra and Ezra's temple, both had curtains that separated people from the holy of holies. It was the only the priest that could go in. Amen. And uh, make sacrifice for the people. But in this temple, uh, there is no curtain. There is no separation anymore between God and man. All right. 
There will be no disconnect between us and him. Amen. Certainly, uh, if we go to Hebrews, let's go to Hebrews and read Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10 and 20. You have it? Say amen. All right, what does he say? By a new and living way, which he has, what did he do? He consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say his flesh and having an high priest over the house of God. Come on, somebody. My God, no longer a curtain that separates us. But what did he do? He hath consecrated for us a new and living way through the veil. And that is to say his flesh. Come on, somebody. My God. What he did at Calvary's cross, amen. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. My God, this new temple, you all remember when Solomon's temple was built, uh, David donated all a lot of his personal wealth and just tons and tons and tons of gold to beautify the sanctuary, all right? But there's no gold and silver in this temple because Jesus is the beauty that adorns the temple. If we compare this temple with others that we have studied, Solomon's and Ezra's uh, temple, uh, there's no table of showbread because Jesus will be the bread of life. If we compare these temples, uh, there's no menorah because Jesus is what? He's the light of the world. Amen. There is no Ark of the Covenant in this temple because Jesus is the mercy seat and the ever atoning sacrifice for sin. My God, who wouldn't serve a God like this and his presence, his glory. Now, that's the best thing. That's the best thing at all of all is nothing worse going to a service or worship service or a place of worship and God is not there. My God, uh, this temple, his glory will fill the temple. All right, let's go to Ezekiel 44. Let's go back to Ezekiel 44. <clears throat> the presence of the Lord. His glory is going to fill the temple. Now, God is not in every place. You know where he's not honored, where he's not wanted. Come on, somebody, where he's not worshipped. He can choose to remove himself. And that's one of the things that Ezekiel also saw is when the glory of the Lord departed the temple. Uh, the children of Israel had polluted themselves with idol worship and God decided and left uh, the temple. Ezekiel was a witness of that. And we have read that scripture as well, but thank God 
when we started talking about the temple, this new temple, he saw the glory of the Lord come in and fill the place. My God, there's nothing like the presence of God. Ezekiel 44, one through four. Then he brought me back the way of the gate of the outward sanctuary, which looketh toward the east, and it was shut. Then said the Lord unto me, this gate shall be shut. It shall not be opened and no man shall enter in by it because the Lord, uh, because the Lord, the God of Israel hath entered in by it. Therefore, it shall be shut. It is for the prince, the prince, he shall sit uh, in it to eat bread before the Lord. He shall enter by the way of the porch of that gate and shall go out by the way of the same. All right. When God's glory come back into the temple and when he tells Ezekiel, I've come in and now the door can be shut. Why? Because I'm never leaving. I, my, my presence will permanently be here. Isn't that something? Uh, you know, sometimes we uh, come to service and we have a, a, a we call a high time in the Lord. You know, we all every time I come to church, it, it, it's a refreshing. It's a it, it's a move of God's spirit on the inside of me. But then there are times uh, that we come and, and just the spirit is is just high. And oh, what a revival it is to be in the presence of God. Uh, like Jacob jumped up and said, God is in this place. And I didn't even know it. My God. Well, every service is going to be like that. Remember somebody, Ezekiel, the door is, the gate is shut. Why? Look what he says. Then said the Lord unto me, the gate shall be shut. It shall not be opened and no man shall enter in by it. Why? Because the Lord, the God of Israel, have entered in by it. I've come in. It's shut and I'm never going to leave. Now, those priests, those prince uh, that minister unto me, they can use, um, what did he call it? The porch. The gate will be shut. They can come and leave by way of the porch on the side of the gate and minister to me. But nobody, my God, is coming in or out that gate because I've come in, I've shut it, and I'm going to remain here forever. You talk about a, a high time in the Lord. My God, his presence will always be there, will always saturate the place. My God. Uh, and uh, the Bible talks about we have the earnest of the spirit. Uh, I, I know many of us, we can think about the time when we first got saved or uh, sometime along our way in our Christian walk and relationship with God, how you had this 
feeling of euphoria come upon you when the, uh, you know, the Holy Ghost is dealing with you. Some people speak in tongues, other people cry, some people run and shout and dance. Amen. We all have our way of, of worshiping God. But uh, this uh, that we have here in these bodies is just the earnest of the spirit. My God, in this place, uh, it will be a full effect. My God, his glory will fill the temple. Amen. All right. And those priests can use the porch that come and minister unto me and they can go in and out that way. But the gate I've come in. Shut. It's sealed. I'm never leaving this place. Who wouldn't serve a God like this? All right, Judges, the 16th chapter. I'm sorry, yep, Judges 16. I've mentioned this scripture before. What a sad occasion. What a sad occasion. And I know just about all of us, we know um, the story of Samson. And we certainly don't want it to be our story. Judges, the 16th chapter. Just remember, uh, God leaves where he's not honored, where he's not wanted, where he's not worshiped. And remember, he loves the sound of praise. My God, he dwells in your not depression, not sorrow, not even your tears. Come on, somebody. He sees your tear. He hears your prayer. Come on, somebody. He feels your pain, but he dwells in your, my God. So if you, if you want to get him in that situation, come on, somebody other than just seeing your tear and hearing your prayer and feeling your pain, I dare you to praise him with tears flowing down your face. Praise him with pain racking in your body. Praise him as the prayer, come on somebody, is coming off your lip. My God, yes, my back is against the wall, but Lord, I love you. You're the best thing that's ever happened to me. You all remember that story of, of Job, uh, the scripture of Job, uh, when uh, his three friends, Bildad, Zophar, and Eliphaz came to encourage Job, but they actually accused him and said, Job, you know, you must have done something wrong. Why don't you just repent get right with God and all of this calamity will pass. Well, Job said, I've done nothing wrong, but actually he did do something wrong <laughs> right then because he failed to justify God. What he should have said was, you know what, I, I brother and I, I can't uh, recollect anything that I've done wrong, but you know, God is good. That's what he should have said, but he didn't. He justified himself, but he did not justify God. 
Later, God appeared in the whirlwind before Job and said, Job, you haven't spoken that thing which is right concerning me. My God, <laughs> you know, that scripture just, you know, it, it really hit me um, how God uh, leaves a place when he's not honored. You know, he can remove himself uh, when we don't put him first and, and give him his proper uh, uh, due. My God, and, and, and it came to my mind, you mean to tell me that uh, I lost my house and I lost my barns and I've lost my children, I've lost my oxen, I've lost my asses, and I've lost all of my resources. My wife told me to curse God and die. And God, you're concerned about what I say about you? <laughs> what about me? What about my stuff? Job, you haven't spoken what was right. Now, just remember, all that stuff ain't nothing but just stuff to God. You know, you put a whole lot of uh, uh, my horses, my my houses, my 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 investments, my my retirement, my, my that's not nothing to God. Well, I done lost all that ain't nothing to God. Job got double everything he lost. So what was important? Job, you haven't spoken what was right concerning me. <laughs> My God. And when Job abhorred himself, come on somebody, in sackcloth and ashes, he said, I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but my eyes now see you and I abhor myself in sackcloth and ashes and got his attitude straight. His friends had to come back and repent to Job. My God, I don't care what you're going through. You always honor God first. I, yeah, I'm in pain. It didn't go my way. My back is against the wall, but you know what? God is still a good God. I'm, I'm having a hard time right now. Tears down my eyes. Not a dime in my pocket. The doctors say I'm not going to get well. I'm not going to make it. But you know what? God is still a good God. Mm. Where he's not honored, where he's not worshiped, Come on, somebody, where he's not wanted. You think about it. Somebody invites you to their place and, and you find out, you know what? I just got invited on a fluke. Anybody been around an invitation and somebody say, oh, well, you, you know, you can come too. the invitation wasn't for you. But since you were around the conversation, they just included you and you actually show up and find out you're not wanted. If that ever happens to me, you know what? I'm going to be out of there real soon. And, and if I think that way, what about God? When he's not wanted, where he's not honored, where he's not worshiped, where he's not praised, he will remove himself. Israel had defiled themselves with idol worship. And so he simply removed himself. All right, I, I'll 
spend a whole lot of time on that, but I'll throw that in for free. Judges 16, 19 through 21. One of the saddest scriptures in the Bible. This is Samson. Samson that uh, loved beautiful women more than he loved God. I'm on somebody. You are, my God. Um, and she made him sleep upon her knees and she called for a man and she calls him to shave off the seven locks of his head. Now, just remember, the locks was not Samson's strength. God was his strength. The locks were simply symbolic. My God, God is the source of my, my God. Shaved off the seven locks of his head and she began to what? Afflict him and his strength went from him. And she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson, after Delilah had vexed him. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass. And he did grind in the prison house. Isn't that something? My God, taking the presence of God for granted. There's nothing like the presence of God. There's nothing like the anointing of God. There's nothing like the favor of God. My God, he saw something in each and every one of us and saved us, filled us with his spirit. Come on, somebody. My God, and he said, I called you friend. You're a royal priesthood. My God, you're a chosen generation. My God, you're a set-aside people, a reserved people, only unto me. Mm. Yet he came to his own, and his own received him not. And what did he say? He did the same thing. I'm going to leave to you your house desolate. Until you say, blessed be he that come in the name of the Lord. And we know that to be one of the seven feasts of Jehovah, the day of atonement, where they're going to mourn for him. My God, and God is going to turn back to Israel, to the Jews. Come on, somebody. And he's going to save them. He said, Israel is my son. Even my firstborn, come on, somebody, my God, God will turn back to his people. Amen. All right. So uh, Samson, he loved beautiful women more than he loved God. And Del Delilah, she vexed his spirit. He told her of the, uh, the, his symbolic strength. Now, remember, his strength was God. The locks was just symbolic. My God. 
and he thought he was going to go out and shake himself, but God had already departed. My God. And they bound him. They never were able to defeat him before, but they bound him. My God. And he did grind in the prison house. My God. Each and every one of us, if we're filling a void in our life, it's time for us to get back in right relationship with God. Jesus, you're the best thing that's happened to me. Jesus plus nothing. Come on, somebody. As long as I got King Jesus, I don't need nobody else. You can have silver and gold. You can have riches untold. I'll take Jesus for mine. My God, what a mighty God we serve. Amen. It's time for us to get back in right relationship. Amen. With God. All right, Micah. Micah, the seventh chapter. He said, who is a God like unto thee? My God. Micah, the seventh chapter. Verses 18 through 20. I'm on somebody. You have it say amen. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He passes over wrong for the sake of his people. My God. He retaineth not his anger forever. Anybody glad? God don't stay mad. My God. You glad trouble don't last always. Anytime you're not in contact and in, in right relationship with God, there's nothing but trouble. Come on, somebody. My God. But he retaineth not his anger forever, because what? He delighteth in mercy. Who wouldn't serve a God that delights? I mean, you know, if you know you have a tendency to mess up. I'm on somebody. Ain't no need me being up under no strict taskmaster if, if you know, if I know I'm prone to do things wrong. But we serve a God that delights, not gives us an excuse, but he delights in mercy. Come on, somebody. My God. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain. And so if I want some mercy, I got to show some mercy to somebody else because I serve a God that delights in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. My God. 
and thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob and the mercy to Abraham, which thou hast sworn unto our fathers from the days of old. And we be Abraham's seed, my God. And every promise made unto our father, the father of our faith, Abraham now belongs unto each and every one of us. That same mercy, my God, is applied to us. And this is why it's so important not to just say you're a Christian, but you got to be born, my God, into the body of Christ. Amen. This is not no place you just, you know, you just walk in and, and just decide you're going to be part of, uh, of the church or the body of Christ. No man can come to the Father except the Son. The S-O-N draws him. My God. And he said, except a man be born again. He can't see. His understanding is, is limited at best. Come on, somebody. My God. Paul said, when I looked at this thing, I looked at it through a, a, a glass darkly. He all the revelation and got caught up into the third heaven. And he said, but when I looked at it, I saw it as looking through a glass darkly. Come on, somebody. I ain't got to get no argument with no nobody about no scripture, about no revelation. And uh, nobody among us knew more than Paul knew. And he said, when I looked at it, it was as if I had sunglasses on. And we're going to fight over scripture. Come on, somebody. But why don't we delight in a God that uh, prefers? He delights in mercy. All right. He's going to perform the truth to Jacob and the mercy to Abraham, which thou hast sworn unto our fathers from the days of old. Come on, somebody. He is going to pardon us our iniquity. My God. He's going to save his people and each and every one of us saints of God. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that I'm a child of God and I'm so glad he delights in mercy. He will turn again. Uh, it was Paul that said, I, I travail with you again until Christ be formed in you. Come on, somebody. My God. He tells us to forgive our brother seven times 70. And as I say, if, you, if you're counting and tabulating, you, you didn't get the revelation of that scripture. Anytime your brother come to you and ask for your forgiveness, we are to forgive them. Why? Because if I don't forgive him, my heavenly father is not going to forgive me. But it's his nature to delight in mercy. All right. Let's go to First uh, Corinthians. First Corinthians. Second chapter. Verses nine through twelve. First Corinthians, second chapter, 
verses 9 through 12. God gives us his spirit. My God. That we might have discernment. That we might have spiritual sight. All right, what does it say? But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have it entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Do you love him? Come on, somebody. My God. We don't even have a clue. But look at this. But God hath revealed them unto us. How did he do it? By his spirit. He gave us the earnest of the spirit. That Holy Spirit that you have uh, dwelling on the inside of you is just the down payment. Oh, come on, somebody. It's not the full effect. My God, when we get in that temple and his glory fills that place, my God, when we get to heaven and we see him and behold him, we'll have the full effect. Right now, we just have the earnest. All right. And he reveals things unto us. He gives revelation to us. It comes by his spirit. Look at this. For the spirit searches all things, yea, even the deep things of God. He will reveal unto us by his spirit when we have the Holy Ghost dwelling on the inside of each and every one of us. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him? What man can understand but that man himself? Come on, somebody. And even that is limited. A lot of things going on with us. We don't even know what's wrong with us ourselves. Come on, somebody. All right. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man. Now, if man has a hard time understanding himself and his fellow man, there's no way we know the ways of God. All right. What did it say? But the spirit of God, my God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. We don't have the world spirit, saints of God. But what do we have? The spirit which is of God. Why? That we might know the things that are freely given unto who? Us of God. My God. With us, God. Hmm. With us, God. Because we have his spirit dwelling on the inside of us. My God. And I'm so glad, as I have said before, he has called us friend. He said the slave don't know what the master is doing. Don't have a clue. But what did he do? He gave us his spirit that we might have, and he can reveal unto us through his spirit, my God, the things that only come from God. Not the world spirit, but the spirit of God. All right, let's finish this up. Let's go to Revelation. I talked about this. Satan is going to be loosed for a season. 
And this temple that we're talking about right now is going to be destroyed yet again. Why? Because the sinful nature of man's heart. He changed everything. He healed the land. He restored peace uh, in the animal kingdom. The earth yielded its fruit in a mighty way. He said, you won't have to call uh, for the um, uh, the reapers. Um, he, he talked about how uh, people will be in the field and, and planting a row of corn. And before they get to the end of the row, you're going to have ears of corn. <laughs> My God, so the same people that was planting can, can go back and just get the corn. Wow, you won't no, no longer have to uh, vine ripen the grapes. Uh, when you plant the grapes, the earth is going to yield its strength. And when you pull the, uh, the grape off, it's going to be ready. My God, for the best wine you could ever drink. My God. Uh, he's going to do all of that, but he's going he's gonna to leave man's sinful heart. Come on, somebody. My God. Let's look at this. Uh, Revelation 20, and we want to go through 7. We'll go to, go to 7 and 10. This is the end of the millennial period. You all have it say amen. And when the thousand years are expired, expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations, which are the four quarters of the earth. Who was that? Gog and Magog. Heathen nations. Heathen individuals. Come on, somebody that experienced all of the millennial reign and how God healed the land and gave man heaven on earth the way he intended for it to be. We talked about how long man would live in good health and, and no more corrupt government, no more planting of your vineyard and another coming and eat it or building a house and somebody else come and occupy it. My God, he did all of that. So when Satan is loosed, he's going to the four quarters of the earth. Uh, these people, Gog and Magog, to gather them to do what? To battle the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. Can you imagine that? Now, you would think that maybe uh, during after the millennial reign, there'd be a few stupid people. He's going to be able to gather of whom is as the sand of the sea. That is a great multitude of people that Satan is going to deceive just that quick. After experiencing all of this, he's going to be able to deceive them. Look at this. And they went up on the breath of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city. And what happened? Fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire, 
Remember, he was just bound in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. So during the millennial reign, there was no working of the enemy for rape, murder, uh, stealing, car theft, drive by. He, he didn't, he didn't, he was locked in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. All right. And look at uh, verse um, 10 again. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire. Now, this is the end of the end. And brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. That's the, the unholy trinity. The unholy trinity is now all in the lake of fire and shall be tormented day and night. How long? Forever and ever. And we live happily ever after. All right, now, how um, the question was, this temple, this fourth temple that Ezekiel was talking about, um, how did it get built and who built it? Um, when we look at, um, uh, let's, let's read um, 21 here. Revelation 21, 1 and uh, 2. John said, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city. What was it? It was a brand new Jerusalem. My God, in this throne, look, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And we certainly know David is going to preside and rule on that throne forever. There shall not fail thee, said he. Come on, somebody. My God. And he was... Uh, <laughs> Uh, jacking up Solomon, saying, don't you mess this up. But he didn't know how God was going to do this. Okay, that temple, that fourth temple during the millennial reign, who built that? When was it built? Uh, this new Jerusalem, this new heaven and new earth, who built that? And how did they come about? Mm. Now remember, there was two times, two times, when God spoke and fire came out of his mouth. The first time was during the battle of Armageddon when he comes in in his triumphant entry and uh, we are with him and we're all decked out in our white. That's in the 19th chapter of Revelation. When God got ready to fight the battle of Armageddon, that's all he had to do was speak. My God. All right. We just saw the second time after Satan is loosed and he gets uh, recruits of, of Gog and Magog uh, as the number of the sea. And they're coming to Jerusalem to attack the people of God. What did God do? He spoke. Let me read this again. Um. Verse 9, uh, 20 and 9. And they went up 
on the breadth of the earth, Revelation 29, and compassed the camp of the saints about uh, the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. He spoke with his mouth, and guess what? We talked about how fire uh, destroys some things, but it makes better, purifies others. That same fire, wood, hay, and stubble are what? Destroyed. But what about gold and silver and precious stones? They are purified. That same fire um, that destroyed um, these children in uh, Magog, of Gog and Magog, that same fire, while it destroyed them, a new heaven and a new earth was also made. That same fire that destroyed one thing, but perfected another. Same thing when he comes and fight the battle of Armageddon, when he speaks out of his mouth, this new temple that uh, Ezekiel describes uh, during that millennial reign, we don't see no workers or no time that was spent. He's going to speak out of his mouth. And when he destroys the unity of nations, the millennial reign is going to be perfected and brought forth. Come on, somebody. My God, it don't take God long to do anything. My God, those are the two times in the Bible uh, that we know God is going to speak. He's going to destroy one and perfect and bring into fruition another. All right, so hopefully that answered the question. The individual that asked uh, that question, not only... Um, this temple Ezekiel was talking about where on our timeline did it exist? It's the millennial reign. It's the thousand year reign of Christ that we're going to rule and reign with him a thousand years. All right. But when Satan is loosed, God is going to destroy that temple. All right. The fourth temple. We went through that. Go back uh, and uh, read the previous view, the uh, previous Bible classes. All right. And when that temple is destroyed, we look here in uh, Revelation 21 and John said, I saw a new Jerusalem, a new heaven and a new earth, a new Jerusalem coming down as a wife adorned for her husband. My God, when he speaks, he destroys one and perfects. That same fire, that same fire. All right. May God bless you. May God keep you. That is it for the beginning of sorrows. I want to encourage uh, the saints. It's time for holding on. It's no time for games. It's no time for play. Amen. It is time for the church, the saints to get right and let's go home. This prophecy, and there, there was a reason why 
Um, I went through so much of uh, Ezekiel's prophecy because in 1948, we saw the official end of the time of the Gentiles. He prophesied it at the same time, mid-century, 6th uh, century B.C. My God. Uh, and we saw the part that came that has come to fruition. And we studied also kept studying and reading the part that is yet to come to fruition. And if that was prophesied and that came to pass. My God. And, and listen, we're seeing this jump right off the page. This is. How much more do we need? How much more does God have to reveal? And and it's so um, ironic. I was talking about how General Allenby, that British general that uh, defeated uh, uh, the nation um, and against the Ottoman Turks, got off his horse walked into uh, Jerusalem because he knows the prophecy <laughs> that Jesus is coming to Jerusalem on a white horse. He's going to enter into the holy city on a white horse. Um, Solomon Sultan, what is it? What was his name? I forget what is his name. I gave you all his name that walled up the east gate of the old city Jerusalem, thinking he's going to stand and barricaded it with a, a graveyard, thinking he's going to stop the Messiah <laughs> because he's read the prophecy and he believes it enough to actually seal the east wall, the golden gate and barricade it with a Muslim graveyard thinking he's going to stop this prophecy from coming to pass. Hmm. The Bible said, he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Nothing is going to stop. God is going to establish his church in the top of the mountains. And Ezekiel and both John in writing in Revelation said, and the nations will know that I am the Lord. He has something to prove. My God. Um, people are doubting him, wondering if he exists. And there's there are those that are, are atheists. You all, um, that commercial with Ron Reagan uh, most famous atheist. I'm Ron Reagan, not afraid of burning in hell. Well, the Bible says at that name, Jesus, <laughs> my God, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess, even Ron Reagan. I ain't talking about, you know, I don't know what else is going to come out of his mouth. <laughs> On your way to hell, and it won't be no time to, to get it right then. You know, confess him then. Oh, no. On you, it won't be good enough just to go to hell. 
I'm on somebody. Everything that has been created is going to acknowledge its creator. At that name, Jesus, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. Even on your way to hell, you're going to acknowledge your creator. Saints, his word has gone out of his mouth. It's not going to return unto him void. It will accomplish what he has set it out to do. Prophesy unto God and tell him, my God, this is my land. How dare you come in and try to take my land? This is the plan of God, and this is his will concerning each and every one of us. And he said, for the very elect day, for the very elect's sake, he's going to shorten the days. So the very fact that he's going to have to shorten the days lets us know we've got some difficult days ahead of us. I don't know what we'll have to face what we will witness and what we will see, my God. I know if we just turn on the news and see what's happening in Ukraine, uh, it, it almost brings tears to your eyes. What people have to suffer and what they have to go through because of evil men and evil regimes my God, that care not uh, for the people. Uh, but God is in control. We are the bride of Christ. And he's always going to rescue and take his bride out of harm's way before total chaos and destruction is brought forth. That's his promise unto each and every one of us. Amen. And certainly, I don't want the word to come as it came uh, to us on last Sunday when he told us, I made a covenant with you and you broke it. And all that I said I was going to do, that enemy that I said I was going to drive out, now it's going to be a thorn in your flesh. My God. I don't want that to be said of any one of us. So kill away a gag. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up. You, those that have the electronic uh, Bibles, you can do a search. Amen. Siri might even know who away gag is. Kill him. Destroy him. Utterly destroy him. Amen. Because um, sin eat as a canker. All right, cancer. And if you don't eradicate it, cut it out, radiate uh, all the chemotherapy, all the things that they use now to eradicate cancer. If you don't kill it, eventually it will kill you. My God, sin eats as a canker. It's the same thing. Cut it out. Destroy it. Utterly destroy it. It's either you or it. May God bless you. May God keep you is our prayer. If you're under the sound of my voice 
you have not been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the precious gift of the Holy Spirit by the evidence of speaking in other tongues, call me, 734-477-6891. 734-477-6891. We have a minister, ministers that will return uh, your call, share with you in the scriptures, meet with you, baptize you in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins and a great big God that will fill you with his spirit. My God, by the evidence of speaking in other tongues, yes, you will hear yourself speak. What he has done for one, he will do for another. And it's nothing less than a miracle when you can hear God coming out of your mouth and your ears behold him. And he's come to take up residency in your life. Amen. If you don't have that experience, call me.